You're not aware of any effort to go back to the good old days of segregation by a legislative body, is that correct? That is correct. The good old days of segregation, good old days of segregation, good old days, good old days, good old days of segregation. Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to a special reaction episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that can't apply the law to a set of hypothetical facts. Jess, what did you think of today's hearing? I'm sorry, Imani, I can't answer that question. Why not? I can't apply the law to a set of hypothetical facts. But I'm just asking you about your feelings, about your opinion on today's hearings. I'm not prepared to answer that question. Interesting. Stonewalling, an interesting tactic. I'm Imani Gandhi. <laughs> and I'm Jess Piclo. Rewire News Group is dedicated to empowering you to own your relationship to sex, abortion, parenthood, and power. And the Team Legal Podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. So today is day three. It really um, is. What I like to call the Kingdom of God shit show. <laughs> Mother and... Justice is coming for us all. <laughs> and I just, you know, I have to say, what is the point of doing a second round of questions today, right after the ones yesterday, when just like yesterday, she's basically refusing to answer any questions, right? Yeah. She just kept saying over and over that she can't apply the law to a set of hypothetical facts. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? That's literally what lawyers do. That's their job, is applying law to a set of facts. And I mean, what? why? Why must we continue with this farce? Yeah, I mean, why is the Senate even, um, honestly? I mean, Just so, in general. <laughs> like, there's a practical answer, which is, well, they started, and so we just kind of have to finish, right? Like, yeah, here we are. Yeah. We go through the process. But, the you know, the one constitutional duty that the Senate has in all of this is advice and consent, and, in, and engaging in this hearing process is, in theory, supposed to be the Senate engaging in its advice and consent constitutional duties. Does any of that mean anything when we have it basically as theater right now? I don't think so. I mean, I think that that's a real fair point. You know, is there still strategy? in what's happening uh, with uh, both the Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, I mean, the Democrats are using this as an opportunity to try and make some of their closing arguments in the election. Republicans are doing kind of the same thing. But in terms of getting to, like, any substance around Amy Coney Barrett as a judge, nah, that ain't happening. <laughs> nah, dude. So there, there were some gotcha moments where Amy Coney Barrett stumbled like, what? what is going on with her? She had a couple of pretty big flubs today. Yeah, I mean, you'd think. So, like, day, this is day two of, like, the actual, art, like, uh, questioning of Amy Coney Barrett from senators. So yesterday, each senator got 30 minutes to ask questions and, you know, um, banter back and forth with her. Today, it's 20 minutes rounds. And so you would think that, like, day two, like, so yesterday... Even if she, remember, I mean, she was super prepared with that blank notebook, right? Like, even if she had done, like, a bang-up job there or even, like, fell on her face, day two is, like, fresh start. And so you should mm -hmm. not be flubbing over things like, I don't know, what's the First Amendment? An actual <laughs> thing that a potential Supreme Court justice could not answer with clarity oh, when asked by Ben Sass. So, like, one of the most worthless Republican senators on the entire Judiciary Committee asks her <laughs> a completely softball question. Right. What's the First Amendment? And she's like, hmm, 
Let me think she about whizzed. that. <laughs> you know, oh, I mean, Lord. she's like, I think it involves religion and the press and like completely biffed on the right to protest. And I mean, I get it. You know, the First Amendment has a lot of parts, but she's a lawyer. We and like parts. Yeah, we like our parts. We like tests and parts. If you're a lawyer, you're going to be a Supreme Court justice. You got to you certainly have to know all the parts of the First Amendment. We call them pillars, right? The pillars right. of the First Amendment. Jesus lady. Aside right? from that, she wouldn't admit that poll taxes are unconstitutional, I right? Mean. So back in Jim Crow days, they used to just add on taxes, make people pay money before they could vote. Poll taxes. And so what did, what did Congress do? They passed the 24th Amendment. Mm-hmm. And the 24th Amendment is the amendment that says, hey, man, poll taxes are unconstitutional. <laughs> That's exactly what it says, too. It hey, it man. <laughs> I thought Senator Harris did a great job bringing this up, though, because like she I mean, Senator Harris brought up the fact that, you know, poll taxes used to I mean, yes, you'd have to pay things, but also they were like these ridiculous tests that people would have to pass. You know, mm-hmm. can you count the number of gumballs in this jar? And if you get that wrong, you don't get to vote like that right. actually happened in our nation's history at a time when people who are still alive can remember it yes yes and the fact that she could not say that poll taxes are unconstitutional is really it's a red flag because if she says that they are then a lot of the shit that the gop is doing in various states would be unconstitutional and we would have her on record as saying so and she can't do that because She can't piss off the people that put her in that chair. Mm, yeah. So we know she flubbed on these two things. Yeah. Were there any moments where she didn't flub, but, you know, your the alarm bells just started ringing in your head like, oh, my God, this is a big deal. What is happening? We have a five alarm fire when it comes to the right to privacy in Amy Coney Barrett. She today refused to say that she thought Griswold versus Connecticut, that's the Supreme Court decision from the 60s that gave married couples the right to use contraception without going to jail, right? She refused to say that that case was correctly decided. And she refused to say so in a line of questioning by Senator Blumenthal of other cases that were correctly decided, like Brown versus Board of Education, for example. And so what that tells us is, one, Amy Coney Barrett has no problem actually applying the law to facts when it suits her, right? When it does advance a particular uh, line of, you know, political agenda that she wants to. But here she was sending very clear signals that birth control is absolutely on the radar for conservatives. And it even right. I'm going to rant about this a little bit because it's a big deal. And, I, and I really I like listeners buckle up because she did this whole bad faith thing where she did where she was like, OK, I'm not going to say that Griswold was correctly decided or wrongly decided because you're asking me to grade precedent. She kept talking about grading precedent. And that's just horseshit. OK, what she then did to say is to basically gaslight all of the Democrats and those of us who for the last four years have said, hey, look, conservatives are coming for your contraception by saying, look, you know, I'm not for, I'm not going to say that Griswold was correctly decided, but also stop freaking out because for this mm-hmm. to even be a thing, a state would have to pass a law banning mm-hmm. contraception. And then someone would have to bring a lawsuit challenging that mm-hmm. law. And then a judge would have to rule that, you know what, that law is OK in the face of Griswold. And you folks need to just stop worrying about that. (laughs) We have over 200 lawyers or judges on the federal bench right now appointed by Trump who would happily overturn Griswold 
Amy yep. Coney Barrett is one of them. Mm-hmm. While she was on the faculty at the University of Notre Dame, she was involved in making the legal argument against birth control access for her students there. For her to act as though there is not active forces seeking to undermine contraception, and this is an open question, is garbage. Especially when she is one of those forces. Like, I think I need to reiterate the fact that she today basically got a case of the vapors. She's like, oh, my (laughs) word. What are you talking about? Bad contraception? Well, I never. (laughs) And it's like, I do declare Mm -hmm. that Griswold would never be (laughs) overtoined. It's kind of like, but meanwhile, she literally was crafting arguments in a case brought by the University of Notre Dame challenging the birth control benefit in the ACA. The birth control benefit said that Notre Dame, in the health insurance plans that they offered their employees, and their students had to include birth control coverage. Mm-hmm. And Amy Coney Barrett crafted the legal argument that said, oh, no, we don't think we should have to because, yeah, we're not a church, but we are a religious organization and we are formed around th- this this faith, this Catholic faith, and you can't make us put birth control in the vending machines in the dorm rooms. I mean, so for her mm-hmm. to pretend that there aren't active challenges to the availability of contraception is just, as you said, gaslighting. Considering the fact that there is an active challenge to the Affordable Care Act that she could hear that contains the birth control benefit to the Affordable Care Act in it. Like she literally in a matter of weeks could be striking a, you know, lethal blow to contraception access. And she's there before the Senate Judiciary Committee acting like that's a fiction. So more cynicism from Amy Coney Barrett on sexual privacy rights. Right out of the gates, Senator Lindsey Graham today made it clear that Senate Republicans have their sights set on a 20-week, quote-unquote, fetal pain abortion ban. This is some horseshit from Republicans, but, you know, they like to bring this stuff up when things don't go well for them in the polls and in elections. And so we're going to see a lot of talk about a 20-week ban. And so, you know, it gave Republicans an opportunity to spread a whole bunch of lies and, you know, I don't know, maybe Trump will try and do something by executive order. But Amy Coney Barrett, several times in the hearing today on her own accord, referenced this hypothetical federal 20-week ban as a thing that she would be ruling on. It's almost like she's inviting a challenge here. And she did so particular in in one area that our listeners maybe remember from the last Supreme Court term, and that's on the question of standing. Mm-hmm. So standing is basically who can bring a lawsuit, right? If you have legal standing, you have received an injury of some kind and you can bring a lawsuit. And last Supreme Court term in June Medical Services, anti-choice advocates were trying to argue that abortion providers didn't have standing, that they could not sue to challenge abortion restrictions that were supposed to advance patient health and safety. Now, anti-choice lost that argument. The Supreme Court yep. didn't take the bait there. But... They're going to bring it again, and they're going to bring it in the form of the kinds of abortion restrictions that are designed to advance, quote unquote, fetal life, of which Senator Graham's 20-week ban would fall into. So when we talk about Amy Coney Barrett signaling to her supporters, those are the kinds of things that are happening that, you know, folks who are just tuning in because they're curious or, you know, don't want to be in another Zoom meeting and are just like doing this instead, that's going to fly right by them. But this is mm-hmm. like where the meat of the matter is going on in these hearings. 
It really this the twenty week ban. It, you you said in the beginning that when you know whenever Republicans seem to be down on their luck, it's like oh let's just pop forward a twenty week ban and get people all riled up. You know, mm-hmm. John Kasich did the same the same thing in Ohio yep. when he was catching heat for the six week ban. He was like, oh yeah, well six weeks that's crazy, but mm-hmm. what about twenty weeks? Eh? And it's Reasonable. just kind of like it, it's uh erg. I would like to talk about yeah. The Voting Rights Act, which apparently Amy Coney Barrett has never heard of. Like, <laughs> this is wild. It was bananas. I mean, Senator Harris, Kamala, vice presidential candidate Harris, had to spend a considerable amount of time explaining to, to Amy Coney Barrett what the Voting Rights Act was, what happened in Shelby County v. Holder, the case that gutted one of the sections of the Voting Rights Act. And that section is known as the preclearance section. Uh-huh. So it used to be back... Sit down, sit down and let me tell you a story about the good old days. It used to be in the good old days, lo these many seven years ago. <laughs> lo these many seven years ago. That it's been when, 845 years since the court decided Shelby County. In 2013. <laughs> so it used to be that when states wanted to pass voter suppression measures, they would have to be pre-cleared by the Department of Justice mm-hmm. because the Department of Justice knew that certain certain regions, some of them were states, some of them were specific counties, some mm-hmm. of them were specific municipalities, but these particular regions were racist as fuck and they were trying to strip voting rights away from black and brown people. Mm-hmm. And so you would, you know, a state like Texas, for example, would say, hey, what about this law? And the DOJ would look at it and say, nah, dude, that's really just that's discriminatory and voter suppression. Not going to clear that. And then Texas wouldn't be able to to implement Uh that law. Well, 2013 came along and John Roberts decided that racism was over and there was just no reason to to use this particular preclearance formula to determine whether or not states were engaging in voter suppression. Mm -hmm. So what and what happened? Literally the next day, the next day. Texas went into court and was like, voter ID, woohoo! North Carolina went into court, voter ID, woohoo! I mean, and these were rulings where the court, the lower courts had said that Texas had surgically targeted Mm -hmm. black voters to in order to strip them of the right to vote. And Roberts was like, I mean, did they really? Whatever. I, it's not my place to say. So let's just do away with all this pre-clearance nonsense and just let these states go ham. And go ham is exactly what they mm-hmm. did. And so cut to now, we've got Amy Coney Barrett, who is on the bench to do away with certain things. Abortion, gay mm-hmm. rights, LGBTQ rights. I already said that. That's gay rights. What's the other thing? Health care. Worker rights, health care. Worker rights, all of those things. She's also there to destroy voting rights, right? Because yeah. the more black and brown people vote, the less elections, the fewer, we can say less now apparently because words don't mean anything, but the fewer ele- elections that Republicans win. Mm-hmm. And so she's been put on the bench by this by these people who need to win these elections in order to continue oppressing everyone. So for her to say, which is what she said, she said, "Well, yes, preclearance is not a thing anymore." But what Congress could do is just develop a new preclearance formula. And that's what Roberts essentially said is that you could Congress can go ahead and do this thing and then we'll take a look at it. I don't know if you're familiar with this Congress, but have you met the Senate? (laughs) Exactly. 
Right now, instead of passing COVID relief, they're trying to jam this broad into the U.S. Supreme Court. So the Senate isn't exactly functional, and neither is the House. So, yeah. What? And so even if by some miracle, right, let's say, let's say Biden wins and Democrats mm-hmm. take back the Senate and they develop a new preclearance formula mm-hmm. and, some, you know, Texas sues, mm-hmm. says we don't like this preclearance formula. And it goes up to the Supreme Court where by a vote of six to three, the preclearance formula that Congress just developed is going to be struck down. Yep. And Amy Coney Barrett, who is sitting here today saying, just just tell Congress to make up a new preclearance formula that she can then strike down five years from now. It's just... It's asinine. And I just wanted to point out that there is a, sec- a a case, a voting rights case before the court right now. Ellie Mistal, who has yep. been live tweeting this alongside you, it's like watching like Battle of the Live Tweets. But he made this point that the Supreme Court agreed to hear a challenge to vote to Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act mm-hmm. on the first day of business after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. So yeah. this isn't, I mean, it's, it's like healthcare, right? They are yeah. They are champing at the bit to do this. And so for Amy Coney Baird to pretend like she doesn't even know what the Voting Rights Act is, and I can't believe you're asking me these questions. It's just, and I don't know why I'm doing her like she's from the South, because she's from, like, fucking Minnesota or whatever. Indiana. But she just gives me, she gets Indiana. She just gives me Miss Millie vibes, you know what I mean? She <laughs> is like, a Louisianan originally. Louisiana tries to claim That makes too. sense. I mean, so. our, our, I'm just like, I'm getting very strong. Like, I've always been good to you people vibes. And it's just, it, it's, it makes me uncomfortable, needless to say. So I just, I, I can't with this lady. I really yeah. can't. But yeah, you know yeah. what I, you know what I can? And I'm so sad I missed because I was doing other things. Hmm. His rumpled hotness. I love right? that this has become a thing. That's his new name now. His rumpled, his, 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 his lordship of rumpled hotness shire. Or something. <laughs> but, I you think Hotness Shire is an actual place in Ohio, too. <laughs> they have shires in Ohio, don't they? Got mad shires in Ohio. But, you know, so did any progressive senators like his rumpled hotness make more hay like they did yesterday? Did they did they spice it up at all? So, again, I'm going to go three for three and talk about Amy Klobuchar here, which is so weird. Because, like, yes, Senator Whitehouse killed it today, and he was just amazing. Um, but I want, because you made such a good point about voting, and Senator Klobuchar really dialed this in. First of all, she straight up laughed at some of Barrett's answers, which was amazing <laughs> to see. It was an entire mood on the Senate Judiciary <laughs> Committee floor. Amy Coney Barrett is like... I I don't think I can answer that. And Amy Klobuchar is like, mm-hmm, okay. Like, <laughs> it was, I mean, you know, it. watching the level, the amplification of passive aggressiveness from those two over the course yeah. of this hearing has really been a study in whiteness. But that's a whole different episode. <laughs> uh, a, uh, Amy, Senator Klobuchar really honed in on Amy Coney Barrett's work on the litigation team as part of the Bush v. Gore case. And that was the 2000 Supreme Court uh, decision that handed the presidency to Republicans. And Amy Coney Barrett was part of the litigation team that successfully won that case, along with her potential future colleagues on the court, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh. So when we when you bring up the point that she was that she was nominated to gut voting rights, that is a thousand percent correct. I mean, you're not part of that superstar litigation team and then just find yourself there with them 20 years later. Like these are specific career arcs for in legal conservative circles. And I appreciated Amy Klobuchar for calling that out. 
Yeah, and I really think that that's so important for our listeners to understand, right? We talk about, we've been talking a lot about how the Federalist Society trains these people to think the same way. And mm-hmm. if you watched our chat with Ellie Mistal, I mean, he he went to Harvard Law. Mm-hmm. And so he would talk about how the Federalist Society would sort of start grooming all the conservative law students and they would go to these fancy lunches and there were lobster rolls and like, you know, real silverware and, and actual like stemware. And meanwhile, you'd go over to the American Constitution <laughs> Society, which is the left's version of the Federalist Society, which is woefully underfunded mm-hmm. and not nearly as successful in terms of grooming lawyers and getting progressive policy policy actually through this process you know he's like over there they had like Chinese takeout you know what I mean with like from yesterday and, and paper plates like old ass Chinese takeout <laughs> yes. and so I did do a summer associate position in a fancy law firm and it's real mm-hmm. easy to get swayed by all the fanciness when you're in law school mm-hmm. I mean that's part of oh, how sure. they sort of get you right you do you go and you work in a law firm and it's lunches and you get to go to the tonight show and you get to go to like, you know, all of these places in, I was in Los Angeles, all these places that I probably wouldn't have ever gone. And so you think, yeah, I could do this. And so these judges, they, these current justices, they are groomed when they are young and kind of dumb, right? And they don't really know what's going on. And so you can just mold their brains. You're teaching lawyers how to critically think. And if you get them early, you can teach them how to critically think the way you want them to. And that's what mm-hmm. the Federalist Society does. So we've got it's not a it's not a coincidence that Roberts and Kavanaugh and Barrett ended up on the Bush v. Gore team. That's not a coincidence. It's planned. It's not a coincidence that we're sitting here watching this woman hem and haw her way through these confirmation hearings. It was mm-hmm. planned from the probably the first day that she stepped foot in law school. And I think yeah. that people really need to just Get that in their head. It's a pipeline. It's a, absolutely it's a, real pipeline. a pipeline. So when people are like, oh, she's so smart. She clerked for Scalia. That's not as big of a deal as you think it is. It really isn't. It sounds like it is. But people like that have a pipeline through the Supreme Court clerkship system so that they can go yeah. on to become judges. There are faculty advisors who help write the letters to get them to the right places, who know the former clerks. Like, it is absolutely about keeping power in certain very elite circles. Right. And I didn't get... So that's fun. I didn't access that power. You know, Ellie nah. didn't access that power. It's just, it's very racialized as well. And that's why most of the judges that Trump has appointed are white dudes. In fact, the entire Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals is white in part because Amy Coney Barrett is sitting in a stolen seat. President Obama had nominated a black woman for that seat and Republicans blocked her nomination. And as a result, now the entire Seventh Circuit is white. So that's fun. That's great. Oh, well, it's been a long three days. Has anything moved or changed regarding her likely confirmation, right? Like, and and if not, like, uh, when when are we, when when is she going to be on the bench? When should I start crying? So there's still another day of this. Oh, Christ. Tomorrow is day four of the hearing. Senators won't question like they do uh, on days two and three. It's a panel of witnesses. So, you know, folks come up and say nice things about her and then they come up and say not so nice things about her. Um, And it's all submitted to the record. So I don't know that we'll have a recap uh, for you folks tomorrow unless something goes entirely off the rails, which, you know what? It's 2020. So I'll be like not going to tempt fate there. Who knows? Um, so it's like a pack of wild, wild dogs could just rush through the Senate hearing committee and just like rip everyone to shreds. And I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's about it, right. It for would this be year. the least weird thing that has happened <laughs> exactly. so far this year, honestly. Um, 
So so there's still some more business that happens tomorrow, but more likely than not, um, they're going to vote to move her out of committee, um, and that'll happen tomorrow. And then her nomination proceeds to the full Senate floor. Republicans have said that they want her. I mean, this that has been clear. They want her on the bench like two weeks ago. And so they're going to try and um, get her up for a vote. You know, last uh, date that Graham was, was punting around was, you know, the 22nd. Definitely, they were saying before October 26th. Um, you know, so things are moving fast and furious there. Um, no stop in this train. You know, I think I think Democrats, you know, as frustrated as I and we have been with them and have expressed those frustrations, I think they made the case that they could for the electorate. Yeah. Um, and I think that coming out of these hearings, there is a really strong argument to be made for substantial court reform mm-hmm. and that that is a winning position. I think particularly as the Supreme Court starts to hand down a series of really unpopular six to three decisions, yeah. folks are going to say, what the fuck is going on yeah. here? Yeah. So that's my thought. That's my question. But we still have to get through tomorrow and still have votes. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, here we are. Yeah, here we are. Republicans have played the long game. They have played. And they play it so much better than Democrats yeah. do. It's just, it's depressing. But are there any big takeaways that our listeners should should focus on or think about or cry about. Yeah, that, you know, I mean, don't be discouraged by the fact that Barrett is going to get on the bench. I mean, yeah, that sucks. I'm discouraged by it, but that's not the end of the fight. Like, really, the idea that court reform is something that we can talk about now. I mean, we've been covering the federal courts for basically a decade. And the idea that in the popular political conversation, court reform is something that Republicans are as scared of as health care reform tells me that that is a winning issue. And we need to stay on that because it's also, frankly, the only answer to a conservative agenda on the courts. So we have to reform the courts. That's my big takeaway. Yeah, we have to. We literally have to. No choice. People's rights are on the line. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, If you would like to talk to us or drink with us about any of this stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Angry Black Lady. You can find Jess on Twitter at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. You should follow Rewire News Group both on Twitter and on Instagram because our Instagram is like popping. Pew, 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 pew. And um, our Facebook group is still open. Just Answer the question. Say something that makes you makes us know that you are a person that we would like to have join our family. Let's just say that. And if you want to give us money so that we can keep doing these podcasts mm. and keep bringing you our hot, spicy takes, then please go to rewirenewsgroup.com slash boom give. That's rewirenewsgroup.com slash B-O-O-M-G-I-V-E. We are so happy about all of the people who have given us money so far. There are people oh on gosh. Twitter who have been saying, yeah, I donated. Someone gave us like 200 bucks. So like people are monthly donating. It's fantastic. We love all of it. We love all of you. Thank you so much, yes, guys. Thank you. And uh, what, what else, Jess? What are we going to do? We're going to see you on the tubes, folks. See you on the tubes, folks. Boom Lawyered is created and hosted by Jessica Mason-Piclo and Imani Gandhi. Mark Filetti produces the show. 